I am Thomas Solomon, and you are listening to the VO2 Podcast. For endurance running, the last couple of years have been rather exciting. But the excitement has largely been fueled by technological advances. Speed skating had the clapskate, and swimming had the full-body laser suit. While the latest technological advance in running is cool, it comes at a cost. We no longer know what we are watching. Since the recent arrival of certain high-stack-height, carbon-fibre-laden swoosh-clad shoes, world records have tumbled and expected race-finish times at the front end of elite fields have dropped remarkably. Anecdotally, athletes are not only faster but those who wear said shoes proclaim that they feel swift and effortless. Professional athletes not sponsored by the swoosh are at a disadvantage. To that end, there are rumours of some professional athletes wearing the performance-enhancing shoes disguised as their own sponsor's brand. I take issue because I do not know what I am watching. Recent records are are a result of technological advances, which are innovative and cool, but personally, I watch endurance sport to see what the human body is capable of and not to see what technology can do. If I want to watch a technological spectacle, I can watch Formula One. Among the recent madness, World Athletics, formerly known as the IAAF, finally made an amendment to their rulebook. To check out the update issued on the 31st of January, you can go to worldathletics.org forward slash about IAAF forward slash documents book of rules. You can locate book C, competition, technical rules, and then go to pages six to eight in the PDF file. So what does the rule update say? Section 5.2. They, the shoes, must not give athletes any unfair assistance or advantage. Firstly, it is important to know that this was the same rule that stood in the previous version of the rules. Secondly, the shoes that have prompted this change in the rulebook have been shown to improve running economy somewhere in the region of 2-6%, to which is enormous. So, the shoes that triggered the recent debate and the eventual ruling are actually very likely to provide an unfair advantage. Any type of shoe must be reasonably available to all in the spirit of the universality of athletics. To meet that requirement, any shoe that is first introduced after the 30th of April may not be used in competition unless and until it has been available for purchase by any athlete on the open retail market for at least four months prior to that competition. Any shoe that does not meet this requirement is deemed a prototype and may not be used in competition. So, because of this amendment, other brands must now race, pun fully intended, to release their rival shoes. Where World Athletics has reason to believe that a type of shoe or specific technology may not comply with the letter or spirit of the rules, it may refer the shoe or technology for detailed examination and it may prohibit the use of such shoes or technology in competition pending examination. Well... That is incredibly vague. It sounds like a get-out clause if a brand is innovative, which is very likely, and is able to get around the rule, which is quite probable. 
Section 5.5. In the high jump and the long jump, the sole shall have a maximum thickness of 13 millimeters. Save that in the high jump, the sole beneath the heel shall have a maximum thickness of 19 millimeters. Subject to rule 5.13, in all other events, the sole and or the heel may be of any thickness. This is also rather interesting because the rule about the high jump and the long jump is not new and has existed for many moons. But it does prompt the question, why is sole thickness not an issue in other events? Given that in order to fit a carbon plate of the correct dimensions into a running shoe, a thickness of 13mm or less is insufficient to boost running economy. Also, why are technological advances being allowed in running events but not in the high jump or the long jump? If we, the people, want to see people run 159 for a marathon, why not also long for a 3 metre high jump or a 10 metre long jump? So, what is rule 5.13? 5.13. Until further notice, unless specifically agreed by World Athletics, any shoe used in competition must not contain more than one rigid plate or blade made from carbon fibre or another material with similar properties or producing similar effects, whether that plate runs the full length of the shoe or only part of the length of the shoe, and may contain one additional rigid plate or other mechanism only where used solely attached to spikes to the outer undersole of the shoe, and must have a sole with a maximum thickness of no more than 40 millimeters save that any shoe that contains spikes must have a sole with a maximum thickness of no more than 30 millimeters. And some notes. See the note to rule 5.5 for information on measurement of the shoe sole thickness. Note 2, the one rigid plate or blade referred to in rule 5.13 may be in more than one part, but those parts must be located sequentially in one plane, not in parallel, i.e. not stacked upon each other, and must not overlap. So, basically what it means is that a running shoe sole can be as thick as 40 millimeters and may have a single plate or blade which may, may be divided into parts but must not lie side by side or be stacked on top of one another. If you read on through the rule update, within section 5 there is a guide on how to precisely measure the sole thickness. So, I guess it is now up to the race referees to enforce this rule, but that creates a major problem. Will we see every athlete's shoe sole thickness being measured immediately prior to every race? A bit like the referee checking the studs of a soccer player's boots before walking onto the pitch. Highly unlikely. Will we see race referees cutting into athlete's shoes immediately prior to every race, or taking out their pocket x-ray machine, to check that the shoes, plates or blades meet the rule? Definitely not. Overall, this is an odd but not terribly surprising ruling. The rule update will be very difficult to monitor and is not in line with World Athletics' own rule that they, the shoes, must not give athletes any unfair advantage or assistance. Personally, I will continue to watch the race of the branded feet while basically giving up on the hope of witnessing what is possible within the limits of human physiology. We will now never know what that is. Reminiscent of the days when I discovered cycling, only to have the reality 
punch me in the face that pharmaceutical ergogenic aids were the fuel behind epic advances in power-to-weight ratios. Now, in the world of athletics, technological ergogenic aids will too become widespread and normal, which, as it turns out, will be fully accepted by the power of world athletics. That is all for now. I will be back soon with part two follow-up to the series on training in the cold. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Play fair and keep training smart.